Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Have you seen the Barbie movie yet? My dad's taking me tomorrow. (laughs) I'm so jealous. So my dad texted me over the weekend and he was like, hey, a couple of my buddies have taken their daughters to go see Barbie and they got some cute pictures. Can I take you? And I was like, absolutely, you can. <laughs> and so I was like, let me know when and I'll meet you and, you know, get tickets and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I've already got your ticket. I'll come pick you up on Tuesday. It's like, oh, thank you. Oh my, <laughs> so my dad's going to take me on a date. That's so cute. Mm-hmm. Well, when we're recording this, Barbie just hit the box office last weekend. We are recording on a Monday, so we have very like early stats as to how it's going. I have not yet seen the movie. I definitely plan to in the very short future. But today, I specifically wanted to talk about the biggest marketing budget I've seen for a movie Dude. in a long time. <laughs> and... Yeah. What like, we think I feel like might- every time I'm scrolling, I see yet a new collaboration. And what is that going to mean for entertainment moving forward? But also, what can we learn as small businesses from what's going on? So for those of you who are unfamiliar, which... Pfft, I don't know what record you under, <laughs> but Mattel worked with Warner Brothers to produce Barbie, and they spent 150 million on the marketing campaign on top of the 145 million for the production budget, which they've already made over half of that back. So, from just North America, they've already made the full amount back globally in just the first weekend alone. So the ROI is there, <laughs> but they've had collaborations and licensing plays in essentially every industry. But like some top ones in no particular order, like in the food industry with Burger King in Brazil, Pink Popcorn with Regal Theaters, Cold Stone had a special new dish. In the beauty industry, they've 
collaborated with Chi, OPI, uh, Nix, and Fashion, Zara, Aldo, Gap, Forever 21, Crocs, Fossil, on the home side, Ruggable Rugs, Joybird Furniture. And I even saw a whole Barbie Dreamhouse competition on HGTV. That is like the smallest list I could find. There are hundreds of collaborations. And before we dig into just like all of the incredibleness of this, and I know I'm like preaching to the choir here, but I, and I haven't even seen it yet. So I feel like if I had seen it, this would be even more passionate. Not that long ago, there have been, and, and still today, there are loads of discussions about the profitability of femininity and women in the movie industry, women writing movies and producing movies and starring in film merchandise and product being, you know, connected to film and to franchises and the effectiveness of that. And just the idea of feminizing and womanizing a movie, a show, a production of of any kind. And time and time again, those naysayers have been proven wrong with the extreme success, yes, to capitalism, but also to our hearts and our minds and Every single time there is a femme-led production of any kind, film or TV or otherwise, and merchandise is coupled and a community is brought together because of it, it is fucking magical and it changes lives and it makes a fuck ton of money. And I just like back women, support women, pay women because amazing things happen. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and so I do kind of wonder because toys have been through this like interesting shift in the last decade and a half. I think specifically when millennials started having children, our generation grew up with so many plastic toys, like Mm -hmm. so many plastic toys. Mm -hmm. And I think there was this shift with millennials to have less and not purchase as much crap, which love that. But I definitely imagine that Mattel has been like ripe for a rebrand in a lot of ways. And Barbie has seen some controversy in recent years with its, you know, are they diverse and inclusive enough? Are they representing jobs from enough different disciplines? Do they portray body image in a way that's positive towards girls? And to me, this felt like a Remember what Barbie felt like when you were a kid and like when all of that shit didn't matter yet. And like it was a nostalgic nod that was trying to, I think, reawaken this acceptance of a many decade old brand that does have the heart of many women. And because the movie itself wasn't produced for girls or children. It was produced for millennial women (laughs) to have this nostalgic moment. It's, from what I hear, is fairly satirical and actually making fun of the, the Barbie world in many ways. And so I think it's so fascinating. But why do you think there was such a huge push from a marketing perspective? Because I haven't seen this big of a push since... Well, even, okay, even if you look at Marvel or Harry Potter as like an industry, all of the licensing plays and collaborations are post. They're after the thing is released. So much of this was like 
in lead up to Barbie coming out or in connection with it's in theaters right now, go right now. I'm trying to find the person who's behind this so I can actually talk about them. I don't know if this article is going to list. I literally just Googled head of marketing for Barbie movie. So I'm going to try to see. I don't know how these brains came up with all of this. For me, it goes back to the conversation of when anyone's wanting to create something new and trying to create a little bit of differentiation from what's been done in the past. And I don't know the saying exactly or the percentage exactly, but I'm sure you've heard it too, right? Where it's like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Don't start from scratch. Make something that people already love and make it like 10% better or something. Like it doesn't have to even be that drastically better for people to love it and for it to be explosive. And I think that that is, it's such a tried and true testament over the year. Like you could literally go back generations and see where just very tiny, small improvements have been made. And that next thing has just been like exploded. And I think this is one of those conversations where it's not any different. The collaborations might be the same amount or even a less amount than other franchises have have happened. But the 10% difference is that it's coming out before and during rather than after. And I think it's just this continued like fever of energy of when you see a new, you know, marketing campaign of like the new Crocs or this new whatever that are coming out related to this film, not only that like inspire you to actually purchase the things to be like involved in the merchandising aspect, but reminding you of how impactful Barbie and playing with them and that world truly had on a lot of aspects of our lives growing up. Well, and I wonder, do I think the collaborations and licensing were to promote the movie? Obviously. But was the goal to make the money from the movie or was the goal to make the money from the merchandising? You know what I mean? Like, I think the goal is to make as much money possible. <laughs> <laughs> and they're doing it. <laughs> well, and they're crushing it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I keep seeing more. Like, the mm-hmm. list of companies is only growing. At this point, I'm not surprised to see a new Barbie thing left and right. Do I think it will even have, like, a resurgence of like the color pink on every aspect of our lives, probably like this is not a small thing. So this conversation is interesting within this article. So you found an article that shared that they did in fact spend 150 on marketing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's an interview with the head of marketing. So not necessarily like the one person, there's a big team of marketing over there, but they asked if they went over budget and they said, I'm not going to comment on the budget, But the reason, and this is, I think, what we're trying to like put into words, the reason people think we spent so much is because it's impacting so many areas. It's a combination of paid media and how many partners came to play with us. But because it pierced the zeitgeist, which is what happens when you change something just by 10% that people already love, it has an impression that we spent so much more. And in fact, we spent reasonably for an event movie. Well, and I think that's the thing is I don't necessarily think the 150 million in marketing is that crazy. I think that's a very typical amount. I think the difference is, and maybe perhaps people need to understand more about licensing. I think what they did well is present an opportunity to brands ahead of the release of something because most of these brands actually paid Mattel 
to license. To participate. And that's what he's saying is he goes, fashion, frankly, jumped on the bandwagon. Brands wanted to become part of this because they saw the film was finding its way into culture in such a dynamic way. I think there are brands, I'm not saying it was Croc or OPI or anything, but I think there are brands who the movie came out and they were like, shit, we could do this. Let me call up Mattel and see how we could get license for that exact shade of pink so we could come up with this whatever. And they're spending their own money on their own market marketing campaign, promoting their product in conjunction with the film. Yeah. And I imagine not only is it feeding dollars into these other categories that many of which have been kind of not just struggling, but just figuring out what does this landscape look like post pandemic or whatever? And like, where are people going to spend money and entertainment and travel were two of the industries that were hit the hardest. And so the concept that you'd see so much money back into a production studio is a really good sign for the entertainment industry altogether. And especially for movie theaters, because I was very concerned as an avid movie watcher that we'd see theaters closing left and right if they couldn't get attendance back up because now so much is being released direct to app and not necessarily going through like the traditional channels. But I think the nostalgia of like going to the movies is coming back in some ways. Well, I saw that too with, Oh, I'm blanking on the name right now, but the new Jennifer Lawrence movie that she's in, it's a, it's a funny movie. Literally can't remember, but she talked about how, she decided to, you know, in terms of her negotiation, the film would be released in theaters and not be streamed the same day or, or ever. It might be only in theaters film as well. And she talked about how, you know, part of it, she kind of joked where she was like, I look better 12 feet high, you know, instead of like streamed on your television. But I think a lot of people in that industry got into it to see themselves on the big screen and to have that experience at the movie theater. And there is a difference in watching it in that setting and in that way. And while I wish the movie industry was more affordable and more approachable for a lot more people, I think that literal theaters have some thinking to do about their own marketing and their own branding. AMC being the only one kind of making a comeback because of their trailer with Nicole Kidman that people are like, laugh memeing now and cheering for before a film even starts, which again has just created its own like culture in and of itself. But that's an entirely separate conversation. But I think it's, I do think it's really interesting to see these artists choose deliberately to be in film and then everything just kind of gaining the energy around that FOMO that they're creating. Mm Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Well, how do you think small businesses can learn from this? Like, what is the takeaway that you know, when you're thinking about your marketing or your push or your involvement, what can we learn from what big business is doing? I mean, it's one of my favorite things to do is to look at what bigger businesses with bigger budgets and bigger teams and really smart brains on their teams are coming out with and see what is the scaled down realistic version for myself. And the things that I'm taking away from Barbie specifically and or only in theaters aspect specifically is, you know, and this used to be a a popular tactic to use even more popular than it was today back in like, oh, 2014, 2015. But the idea of creating your own hype squad for your product, for your service, for your brand, getting other people outside of your arena involved in hyping you up, talking about you, sharing about you, connecting and collaborating in a sense in whatever way that makes sense. Collaborations used to be massive when we first got on the stage. There were VC webinars left and right. There were affiliate partnerships and relationships all the time. And they dwindled down. A lot of people have changed in our industry specifically, have changed their affiliate terms like drastically in the last year. And so it's kind of a bummer for you know the small businesses who might want to partner with them. But 
thinking outside the circle a little bit. And in my industry, being specific about, you know, launching my book, I'm working really closely behind the scenes to get like a dedicated group of people who rave about my book, who will share about my book, who will review it because it's the word of mouth that can snowball it to, again, there's this balance that you want to create about your offer, your business, your product, whatever it is, not it, and this is going to sound weird, but coming from the Barbie landscape of what the head of marketing literally just said, what is the way that you can make your business and the the talk of your business appear so big and like everyone's talking about it and knowing about it, which then creates this false sense of FOMO for other people to also want to be involved with it. And it's just a cycle that actually fuels itself once you start it. It's not unrealistic, but it just feels really big. Yeah, I don't know. I think part of that could be intimidating. You know, like, how many collaborations do you need? How many people do you like try to attempt to work with and like, are they going to put the same level of effort in? And I don't necessarily know the answer to that. And I, I think that's part of it is I don't think anyone right now knows the answer to what's going to be the most effective because things are shifting and changing. And there's a lot of things that seem out of the hands of small business owners. We're just at the whims of what the internet is going to allow us to post and hope that other people will see. But I do think there is power in numbers and there's power in community. And so, you know, it may not be the Instagram pod of sorts where you go comment on everybody's thing, but is there a group of businesses that you maybe consistently collaborate with and exchange clients back and forth? And what would that look like? And, you know, I've even seen people in our industry, Jordan Gill comes to mind, her business is System Save Me. She has put a huge emphasis on collaborating. She recently said that she does 50 collaborations a year, which is a lot. <laughs> and I can only imagine what that's done for her to reduce, you know, ad costs, but also still have an opportunity to get in front of new people. So I think there's an element of risk involved. But to me, I wonder if the risk is lower to collaborate with people you trust than to put the risk on a platform, so to speak, and I hope that you is. get noticed. I think there is. And I think that the potential reward from collaborating is is a lot more sound for your mental health than in the time it might take in order for that to pay off on social. I know a lot of us are burned out heavily on social. And, you know, one of our recent episodes just talked about like, the shit show that is the social landscape right now. And so what is working? What's worth our time? And we talked about how community and, and people time and time again are worth your time. And community and people can absolutely be ingrained in collaboration. And I think that it, there is definitely an art in protecting yourself and protecting your IP. And we had definitely been burned by collaborations in the past more than once. And it's about really understanding what is the ROI that you want? What is the time that you're willing to put into something? What are you willing to do, even if you don't get anything out of it? 
And what are you willing to not do? What do you want to not spend your time and energy on? Maybe you're not ready to start, you know, traveling the country and speaking on stages and collaborating by being invited to like speak at actual events, but maybe hopping on podcasts or joining a different networking group or trying to get into a different room of people to get to know and to kind of see where it ebbs and flows from there is more up your alley. Maybe creating like I talked about how Instagram's testing different community aspects. They have, I don't literally know what they're called because I haven't looked into them yet, but they're like group messaging DMs that you can, you know, chat with a couple of different people, a handful of people inside. Maybe you start small and start something like that. It's like the idea of what a private Facebook group used to be can now be brought to Instagram, but just testing to see how can you get to the stage of talking to real people having real conversations and equitably supporting each other in your endeavors. And I'm wondering how much of it is about slowing down because looking at the timeline of this film release specifically is honestly wild. The film was originally announced in 2009 It's 2023. Um, We began development in 2014, and there was multiple writer and director changes, including the casting of Amy Schumer and then later Anne Hathaway as Barbie. The rights were then transferred to Warner Brothers in October of 2018, and the current cast wasn't cast until 2021. The rest was announced in 2022, and most of the filming took place between March and July of last year. So, and then a full year between filming and production. And I'm wondering when was, you know, the marketing part of that put into place. I'm unsure. But while I'm not suggesting you guys take more than a decade to figure out how you're going to like put your thing out into the world, I am wondering what it looks like to really wait and like curate and work on and create this community around something and still do your thing while this is happening. It's not like Warner Brothers shut down and wasn't producing any other films during that time. Right, right, right. You know, like, (laughs) that's not what was happening. They still were actively working. But like, this was a smaller piece of the puzzle, and they took their time with it. And I think that's an underlying good takeaway to think about any strategy that you're wanting to implement in business. I think sometimes we put a lot of weight on strategies in the sense of like, okay, I'm going to dedicate all of this time and energy and I'm going to plan this out and I'm going to roll it out and I'm going to launch it. Again, a strategy, not necessarily a new offer or product, but a strategy, a technique. And it's got to perform or give me this result back in order for it to be worth it. And it has to do that very quickly or within this specific time frame, or I'm going to cut it and move on to the next thing. And so much of the narrative that we've talked about over the past six years on this show is that things take time to build into the building blocks of ultimately the shape that we need them to take place in order to serve us in our business. And it is very rare that it is all one thing that's going to provide this incredible result within 90 days or 60 days or whatever it might be. And then you can just run with that thing forever. All of this is experimental. All of this are building blocks. All of this aids into the other. And I think that if we're taking a step in the direction towards something that feels in alignment and is working, 
every single day, every single quarter, then truly it's going to be one of those moments where you wake up and you look at the business and the community and the people that you have around you. And you're like, how did this even happen? Like, I couldn't have even predicted this. I couldn't have even like brought all of these people together, these things together to happen because you couldn't have envisioned that when you started laying the building blocks. And that's what happens. Like we don't just wake up and have the business of our dreams tomorrow. It takes time. It does take time. And I think we should have more respect for that time and like how you developed as a person throughout that timeline. Cause like, I imagine if Barbie had come out on their original film schedule that I'm sure oh, they put out in 2009, it would have been drastically different. Right. And everything about the film would have been different, you know? And so not that waiting is always the answer, but a willingness to continue to develop and work on things and make different decisions and pivot because, you know, a big cast change can change the look and feel of an entire film, you know, in the same way that how things operate in your business will continue to shift over time. I don't know. I think there's a lot to be learned from this and a lot to be observed. Like, and I just want to remind you about what a powerful, like, not ritual, but act it is to consistently look at industries that are completely unrelated to what you're doing and really observe and investigate and see what's happening. Yeah. And it reminds me of all the conversations you and I have had about Taylor Swift's marketing brain and everything that goes into her Easter eggs and her lyricism and her promotional schedules and the stories that she weaves, you know, through her PR and her Instagram and everything that she's putting out into the world and, and how looking back, you can connect some of those dots. And she has openly talked about how she very much enjoys that her audience and her people chase those breadcrumbs and they try to put them together. And they sometimes come up with these ridiculous theories that are so far off base, but it, it still feels fun for her. And I know there are some artists who would not like that, but she loves that. And she creates that environment. And so I think, you know, it goes back to creating something in the hype that you want um, and that you want people to look for and be excited for. But there are elements of, you know, the Barbie movie promotional schedule that I'm definitely jotting down for when I'm launching my book. There are aspects of things that Taylor Swift has done over the years that I've already ingrained into what I've posted online and, and what's inside of my book. And I just, I love picking apart different elements of, of things that, make it fun and make it exciting and make it kind of like a game sometimes. And, and I want you to find that for yourself. Yeah. And just find other opportunities to make the thing that you already have work more for you. And I think if there's anything specific that I really want to make sure I take time and reflect on, it's that they didn't go and try to make a new brand, like a new movie with a new plot, with a new set of actors. They've been developing these characters for decades, right? Barbie has gone through many iterations and evolutions and all of those things, but they could have very easily tried to come out with a new product line or purchase something that was like gaining traction. Like I I think about Bluey out of Australia, which I mean, we're just talking about a cartoon character here, but Bluey didn't exist, you know, four or five years ago, and now it has gained a ton of traction 
you know, a big company could scoop it up and like put all this time and intensity into building something that was small and is something huge. But a company that's had traction for a long time chose to invest in something that's been sitting on their shelves. And so like what in your company already exists, have you already poured into and maybe you feel like it's kind of like lost its luster, you know, and how could you polish it up again and make it feel new and make it feel relevant right now and make it feel like something people can connect to in this day and age with the current you know, world that we're living in. Cause it's not about being exactly the same and just like rinse and repeating all the time. It's about taking the thing you've already poured time and energy into and making it work for you today. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode where we chatted more about what pop culture and marketing we can take away from this Barbie movie and infuse in our own small businesses for more kind of pop culture and marketing takes definitely be subscribing to the strategy hour podcast you can find show notes at bossproject.com and if you have any commentary on today's episode feel free to dm us over on instagram i'm at abigail says and emily's at emily says we'll chat with you more next time looking to elevate your brand without the headache join the co-op our creative template shop membership with thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.